up, everyone? Welcome to the Half Share Half Hour. And today we are recapping episode four of Swords and Village. <clears throat> Tokidokun arigato. Nailed it. And I'm your host today, Hannah. And I'm, as always, joined by... What's up? It's Brian. I am here today. Um, this episode was wild. I am very excited to talk about it because we saw a couple people Team Rocket blast off again with that leaf thing. So uh, let's hear what Emily's hyped for. I am very happy to be here once again with my friends. And uh, let's just dive right into the foot episode, shall we? <laughs> we are nicknaming this episode the foot episode because uh, they really like to show some feet in this episode. For free? For <laughs> free feet pics. This is Demon Slayer, not Dog Slayer. <laughs> Stop it, my dogs, they're barking. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's, 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 let's just kind of take it scene by scene, right? <laughs> That's what we usually do. Um, so we start out, we're, we're, we're with Moichiro again, and he has chosen to save Kotetsu after remembering what Tanjiro said to him, my boy. Um, what did you think of this sequence? Because he's already growing on me. He's getting there. He definitely is. I need a little bit more, but I will say he did get yeeted last episode, and that also did something for me <laughs> in here, so... <laughs> Look, like we all, we don't love Tanjiro as much as Hannah does, but we love Tanjiro. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't want to see him get hurt. And Moishiro is mean for no reason in that first one. So it's nice to see him kind of become a little bit more present and to recognize Tanjiro's words again, like echoing in his head here that like, you know, basically like the golden rule, like do nice things for others and it's going to come back around for you. And so even if maybe it's, slightly selfishly motivated in that he maybe wants something good to come back to him. He's still, I think, making the right choice here in saving sweet little Kotetsu. So. Yeah. And I think uh, Muichiro here, you know, he's fighting the new version of Flounder from the Little Mermaid. <laughs> and he he's making quick work of it. He makes mincemeat for it. I mean, call him a sushi chef, right? So he's, you know, attempting to be a better human. And I think that's, uh, you know, the core of being a Hashira, right? It's to you know, rid the world of the demons, but also, you know, driving from the motivation that you have on the inside. And I think uh, it's really nice to see the way that Tondro's affecting even the Hashira at this point, right? We've seen him work with now, this is the third Hashira at this point. So very cool to see how this one pure soul is really making some interesting moves. Five. Hannah's double checking my work here. <laughs> As, I, I think you're forgetting season one with Shinobu oh. and Gyu. That's kind of... Oh, yeah. So Shinobu, Gyu, yeah. Rengoku, Tengen, I guess Mi Muichiro, and Mitsuri, he just had food. Which, I mean, that's close enough to working with her, right? It's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that he, Muichiro, is really growing on me already. And I knew that was going to happen, but... He made quick work of this little flounder demon. That's for sure. I was like... He like beheaded him and then he was like, nah, he's not disintegrating, he's regenerating instead. And he just looked at the pot and went, all right, that's it, Shh, done. Breathing style, pipe place market. <laughs> <laughs> but also like, this is something a little bit new, I think, at least, at least the way that it was shown in this episode, like the CGI that was done on the fish mm. was interesting. What did you guys think about that? I thought it was really good. I like it because it felt very textured and, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> recently I was watching Star Wars Visions 
and it had a very similar an, uh, animation style to it where it was like almost 3D, but it was still similar. And I think it actually comes back to when I mentioned this in, um, in the entertainment district when Tom was talking about the use of both practical and realistic elements. I think that was another really good demonstration of that. He brought that up while we were in LA and it stuck with me ever since because it's a very accurate like call out that they can really blend these you know items together to create like a realistic fantasy if you will me saying this might get a few people mad but <laughs> i think they are able to integrate cgi and like handwritten or hand hand-drawn characters way better than another really well-known studio that might have adapted one of our other favorite animes called mappa I'm not trying to say that Mappa right. is like not good at it, but I like if I look at season four of Attack on Titan and I look at this, I think this definitely is like more like blended and more well done. That being said, quick shout out to the animators at Studio Mappa for <laughs> busting their tushies to create and carry pretty much uh, the entire anime demographic mm -hmm. on their back. Like, yeah. all, they are working so hard with like limited resources. Mm -hmm. So that be, and UFO table has kind of like settled on their one favorite. So I think that's true. You know, I, like I, there is like, yeah, I, I don't want to sound mean. I'm not, no. I'm not trying to come for like the, the animators at all, because I think what they do, like all studios, like they're so talented and I can't even dream of trying to be an animator. Cause I can't even draw a stick figure. Like, let's be real here. <laughs> so like, I don't really have any real, real place to talk. But I will say it's mostly coming from the fact that, you know, I live on social media. I see a lot of people try and hate on stuff with Demon Slayer lately with the animation for some reason. That's been the thing lately is, oh, we're going to hate on the animation now. And people are like, oh, the fish looked horrible. And I was like, are you for real right now? Well, it's supposed to look otherworldly. So I want to give like a shout out to UFO Table for trying some new stuff. There's a couple more things that they tried that's new that I want to talk about a little bit later. But the fish was interesting because I think that the most similar animation we've seen to this regeneration moment with the fish was probably <coughs> on the train and like yeah. the weird like like Bubbles. the tendrils and like yeah yeah like crawl I, but i feel like that's the closest thing we've yeah. seen to this and i think with the way that they animated it it really gave you i feel like they're really leaning into some more of the horror elements of you know what a demon is and i think that's kind of nice to see because Right, this is a shonen anime, like somewhat typical, but also in the same sense, you're really capturing a new audience kind of at that point with the way that you're choosing to style these moments. So I think that's a really cool choice. And like, obviously, you, if you know, you know a little bit about me, I love horror, I love villains. So this is like right in my alley, like watching these like <laughs> bubbles, like it's great for me. It's like what I live for. Yeah. But good for Moichiro, figuring that out super quickly, figuring out that the pot needed to be sliced and not the neck. And we moved right back into Tanjiro, who I will say this fight scene, I've been looking forward to for a long time being a manga reader. UFO table, there, there's, there's some back and forth. One of the moments I think they did really well, the other one, mm, I wish they hadn't made him look a little bit more crazy. But that being said, um, he's able to think quickly and we get the aftermath of the last episode where the demon was starting to do his like sound wave attack and Tandro has sliced him in the neck, not the neck, the tongue. But then he accidentally slices his neck and says, oh snap. <laughs> I think it was our direct translation. I mean, that made us all laugh. What did you think? Oh, oh was... snap. 
Like when? <clears throat> yeah, when's the last time you heard somebody say that? <laughs> like, Demon Slayer, especially. Okay, but like seriously, the Crunchyroll translations have been killing me. Like some of them, like last week, what was it? it was like I got a, I got a run. I don't know, but like they've just been getting to me because I feel like language barrier always very funny. It's like a great time listening to what we know Tondra would not have said, but like modern day works out. <laughs> Someday I'll, I'll, I'll go back on that scene and be able to understand what he says in Japanese and I'll tell you the exact translation of it. Saving that for later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we see him, you know, kind of working towards taking down this demon. He's desperately trying to get back to Nezuko and Genya because of course he's always thinking about the others and, his main goal is to slay this demon simply so that he can get back to them, not so that he can save his own ass. Like, come on, dude, like focus on yourself. But also it's his sister. Like we know how he is when it comes to his sister. But what did, what did you think of his little moment where he figured out what it was or how slowly the demon was uh, regenerating when he was slicing the tongue and he had his little crazy eye moment? Because We love Feral Tanjiro. But it makes sense to me that it would happen in this moment because like my man's either has got to like kill something right now or he's going to have like a nervous breakdown, I think, because I mean, this poor guy, like he keeps like just barely getting out of the hospital. Like he's only been there for like a day. This is the night of like the same day. And he's already got like like, you know, he only knows about this one upper rank demon right now that's like already split into all these different entities. We don't even, he doesn't even know about the other one that Moichiro's dealing with yet. And it's like, ah, shit, here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) He's just like, he's going through it. And we talked about this in like the entertainment district arc, arc a little bit. There's like this trauma inherently built in because obviously he's already lost people that he was like just starting to get to know and last that he saw of his sister and genya not leaving them off on a great note here either so makes sense that he is like (laughs) having to like latch on even in the most feral way to this like glimmer of hope that he has for the rest of the fight as it stands right now yeah, as I have, I made the joke a couple times off camera, but uh, Ferrandro Mongrel Boko, as I have called God. him, quite literally. Um, you know, it's really interesting to see Tondro kind of work through this. Um, you know, it's another chess game for him to figure out, right? Last time in the Entertainment District, he was like already thinking about how am I going to take both these demons down? How can we split the work? Now he's all on his own. And so this brings us back to like season one where he's really got to think quickly because there is no one else to support him. At like season one, he had at least Nezuko to back him up in certain points of the fights, but now he is truly on his own. And I think this is his first like real test as a demon slayer. Like, okay, like now you don't have teammates. Now you don't have any support. It's just you and your breathing. What are you going to bring to the table? And I think that's what's really cool about this part of the arc is that we're starting to see how Tondro, how much he's really grown from season one, being able to, uh, you know, fight at least one of the parts of Upper Four on his own. Yeah, he's gained a lot of confidence. And I think that's where his, like, faces in this moment come from. Because we haven't seen him make faces like this. Like, he's been confident in the past in moments, but, like, the first time he's like, his eyes were just absolutely like feral. He's like, I was like, oh, he looks crazy. Um, but he's getting confidence and he's getting stronger. So he's more excited to figure out how to take something down 
than before because he's like, I can do this. He has that confidence. He's already taken down an upper moon. So it's all part of the growth of Tanjiro. Excited to see more. But moving, let's move over to the two people that he's trying to kind of get back to, to say, we'll we'll go back to Tanjiro in a minute, but (laughs) always. But we got Nezuko, she's fighting. He's the, the demons got her like pretty, pretty tightly while Genya has been stabbed, like we established in the last one, but he's not dying. Hmm? And it's interesting because as he's, you know, getting stabbed, the, the pool of blood is forming under him. You start to see, uh, or you start to hear, excuse me, um, him reciting some chants. And the demon entity Sorrow, the blue one, says, oh, what a devout one you are. Now, he's starting to recite, I believe, what are Buddhist chants, which does relate to another character we know, my big boy, Guillaume Himajima, stand for that big boy, Uh, nonetheless. And then Genya is able to look up and do some more stuff. And I think that's kind of cool because we don't know at this point what that ability is or why these chants work for him to what seem to regenerate a little bit. But it does provide us a little bit of mystery as to how Genya was able to pass final selection because we didn't see any of him in final selection. All we saw was his arm getting crushed, which, I mean, he deserved it. Yeah, and even just relating back to an episode not so long ago, we saw a weird moment with him and his tooth and the tooth clearly having grown back. So there is something regenerative about him and where that came from or why he has that ability is yet to be determined. But I have my hypotheses. So um, obviously that's going to be a very beneficial asset in this particular fight. Yeah. Because while he's able to regenerate, he does keep getting hit. So he's he's like not super good at blocking, but he is good at glocking. (laughs) (laughs) Breathing style America. First form Florida man. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody take my freedom. Oh Oh, God, the Americans here. First form 17th Avenue and Camelback. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you in Phoenix, you know, you know. You know, you know. (laughs) God, Um, the American jokes. I I truly wonder if like... (laughs) Gotage and like everyone in Japan understands just how many American jokes because they literally brought a gun to a sword fight. It's so bad, but it's so true. Oh god. Um, side note, the way they like switched to the the cut screen, you know, it reminded me of Ren Goku. They had him like kneeling on the ground, like blood puddling around him, and I was like, I swear, they they meant to do that. I'm just saying, they meant to do that right in the feels remind us but nezuko uh she's trying to fight at this moment still being held on and then we get a wonderful feet <laughs> foot pick <laughs> i would this hesitate how- to call that foot wonderful <laughs> <laughs> this is how i cope with nezuko getting a kick straight to the chest straight through her just like rengoku but uh. i mean she's a demon so we know she's gonna be okay it still hurts to watch our girl go through that and then she returns the favor with an even stronger kick because she's a total badass. 
she is. I love getting to see Nessica be a little bit more empowered because up to this point, we get some great moments with her, but they're few and far between. And I'm so excited to just get to see her continue to gain a little bit more agency. And like, even though she's without a voice at this point in the story, she still has a strong presence. And I love when she gets additional camera time because she's so cool. She's so strong. And this is one of the first times that she's kind of holding it down without Tanjiro anywhere nearby. And she's holding it down anyway, even though, you know, Tanjiro was like warning her, like, don't go into your full demon mode. And clearly she's getting close here. We've got like the, the vine designs the back on her arms and legs. The horn is coming out, but she's able to like keep it together enough mm -hmm. to still like maintain focus on the actual fight rather than the fact that there are like bleeding humans around her. Yeah. Pretty cool. And that's what I think is interesting about, uh, you know, Nezuko as she grows is that she's been able to you know, not only develop new power, but also, you know, grow as we've kind of talked about, right? Nezuko in her demon states, um, as she like shrinks to a child or like comes into an adult, still struggles with the consciousness portion of it as, you know, where her mind is and what her comprehension level is. So I think it's cool, you know, you are actually watching a character grow, regrow up to a certain extent because, right, she was a human in episode one as like a maybe like 14, 15 year old, something like that. And now, you know, she's starting to redo all of that learning that she had as a human, which I think is really cool because it's showing kind of no matter what happened, that trajectory for her felt like it was coming back around. So that's a really nice thing to see. Um, can't forget about um, the foot pick toes, uh, those toenails. Man needs a clipping, let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, he's probably been stuck inside whatever he's been inside for, like, 100 years. No excuses, Hannah. <laughs> he didn't have any nail clippers inside his... Put those I... grippers away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. They, they really... Yeah. I mean, in all reality, though, this, this fight is a little bit different because they were kind of ambushed while they were inside. And, you know, like, Japanese customs is to not wear shoes inside. So, like, all of That's our kids true. are actually barefoot. So it's like, all right, like, okay, feet, cool. That's true. That is true. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of makes sense. But I, I like what you call about Nezuko. I I think it's really interesting, the, the first couple of episodes, we've seen her really in her, like, baby form. Like, really young. And we've talked about that kind of being, you know, comfort for her, comforting. We've seen just some really precious moments between her and Tanjiro. Um, we already have a lot of those, but I feel like this season's been more than that. Just making her adorable. But I feel like you said the the form that she was in was very comforting. And then as soon as she, you know, notices a demon, like she's an adult. And I think that because like that childlike state is comforting, I think she's starting to really understand her emotions in the adult state. And that's causing her to be able to control it. And it's causing her to grow, even though she still doesn't have much agency, she still can't really speak. And we're just seeing more just more growth from her, which is really exciting. Literally healing her inner child. Yeah. Same. <laughs> oh, we love we love Nezuko and the Commodos. She also, we're gonna stay on this for a minute because she had some great moments in this episode. Uh, she used one of the demons' blood demon art against them. She stole his little fan and then blew him away. Come on, Team I mean, Rocket come on. blasting off again. Had to say it. Had to say it. I think this one. Um, you know, Nezuko is finally, I mean, not that fi finally just showing some intelligence. She's really getting the chance to show her intelligence at this point. I think, uh, you know, 
being able to whisk away a demon, right? That at least provides some support. Like that was a critical move right there because now, you know, it's only a three V2 at that point, right? Because you have the red, the green, and the blue one, and then you have Gena on your side. So it's really going forward. We're like, it's feeling a little bit more of a back. I know, I know. I butchered the pronunciation. Don't worry about it. We're going to move on. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand what's happening. (laughs) Hey, it's all right. But nonetheless, right, um, it's just a demonstration of what, you know, progress they've made. Because in the entertainment district, it felt like a one-sided battle most of the time until the very end. This feels like it's back and forth. And it feels like at least they feel like they have a chance so far, right? I think so. It's interesting because we keep cutting between all of the different separate fights that are happening. But each person that we've seen in these separate vignettes of the fight is learning about their opponent. And whether they're able to clearly communicate that, like Tanjiro, like in his little train of thought, or just like see Nezuko pick up clearly on the abilities of like these tools and the fact that these demons aren't the only ones that could use the same tools. Everybody is like learning on the fly here and inadvertently working together, which is really cool. Yeah, I think this is the first time that Nezuko really is showing like smarts in a battle. Usually she's very brute and it, it always like has to do with Tanjiro too. Like it... Most of, like, the last time she powered up into this was because Tundra was about to die, you know? Like, she was just so angry. She was reminded of, like, her family getting killed and was so angry that her brother was about to die. That's what, like, triggered this new form. This time it was just, there's a demon here I need to fight, so I'm going to take on this form because I'm stronger. So getting that control, getting that strength, it's really exciting to see, and I hope we see more of her this arc, which I think we will. I'm just throwing that out there. It's really exciting. Going back to Tantro, so he's also being very smart, like we've talked about. And he, first of all, I didn't realize this might have just been kind of addition from the manga, because manga can't go into quite as many details, like frame by frame, of course. But he took a lot of hits, like just a lot yeah. of hits. Made me very nervous. Were you feeling a little nervous? I think with this one, I was kind of thinking about that as I was watching the episode. And I'm like thinking about this as a video game, right? Like, you know, um, when we're looking at it like last time, right? Like Nezuko kicking the crap out of Daki. Like those are like major powerhouse finishers. Now Tanjiro getting, you know, smashed by Talons. eh, Those are more multiple smaller scratches. I was like, okay, you know, those are like maybe 10, 12 HP. You know, he's probably got about like 150. So, you know, he's taking about four or five of those now. We're, we're struggling a little bit. So at that point, I was like, you going to do something about it, though? Because it keeps happening. What are you going to do, my dude? <laughs> you got to figure something out here. Yeah, these these wounds seem to be not superficial necessarily, but at, at least more like surface level, I guess. Like, I, I can't imagine that they feel good, but he has definitely been through worse more recently by a lot. Um, so I I think for now he'll be okay. And he is still able to maintain track of like his thoughts. I think that some of the other abilities, like the, like the supersonic, that's a little bit more problematic because that will literally bring anybody to a halt or like the leaf that Nezuko just used very well, like being literally blown away. Or, um, obviously we've got the other person with the staff. Those are all very problematic. So the claws in comparison, I think, are manageable for him, albeit uncomfortable. But he's pretty smart in this fight as well. And he's able to pick up on the pattern. Mm-hmm. Those big meaty claws. Big. Meaty. Claws. 
poor Hannah. Who has not seen Spongebob. No, I have not. Don't roast her in the comments, okay? Leave her be. Oh, sorry. Guys. One day we'll wake her watch the Spongebob anime. <laughs> Spongebob. <laughs> no. Oh my god. Um... Yeah, I mean, Tantro's figuring things out pretty quickly here, and he definitely is less phased by these hits. And agreed, you know, like, I kind of think back to Entertainment District, where, like, he took that hit on his shoulder. I think that was way deeper than what these are. But, like, kind of what got him there was just the fact that he had a bunch of non-life-threatening injuries that put him into a two-month coma. And also, my brain's like, he was, like, he woke up not that long ago. <laughs> like, it has not been that long. Like you said, like, he's literally walking out of the hospital into another battle. Like, that's pretty much how it works now for him. Um, it's like, he's in Murder, She Wrote, where, like, instead of murder following him around, it's demons. He's just the main character. He's got main character syndrome. That's, that's the reality of it. Uh, but he's able to figure out, kind of, maybe he can't just straight up defeat this guy. He's trying, but he's generating very, very quickly because he is upper moon four. So we know they generate very, very quickly. And he's able to kind of deduce that and comes up with an idea to take another hit, really. Like he's literally on him, but his claws like kind of- On like, the back? Yeah, like kind of grabbed him and then he's just like hanging on by that. <laughs> um, But he's, it, it works. He's back with Nezuko and Genya. So what do we think of all of them together again? Just to rewind for just a moment of Tanjiro. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do this based off of memory. Come on. No, it's fair. <laughs> no. But let's just, that so moment much. where he's like, like flying. That was really cool. He's like. He's falling he, with he's like, he's like steering the steamer with like the sword. It's like, yeah. like, like skewered, shish kebobbed. And, and then you're right. He does land. Um, and he is joined by Nezuko and or rather he, I guess, crash lands and joins them. But Genya and Nezuko, he meets back up with them in this, not hotel, but like this, this place of residence in the Swordsmith Village. Yeah, I think that was kind of cool. You know, he's, um, he's taking his first piloting class. And I honestly, you know, I would have never imagined the aviation abilities of Kondro. You know, to think he's just learning about cars for the first time when he goes to find Muzan. And now he's learning about planes the boy is getting culture, let me tell you. So, you know, at this point, right, but also being able to accurately spear through the foot and through the mouth to make that work and figuring out that, um, you know, I'm sure Tandra was not a biologist. So he's like, he has to be light enough to fly. So being able to put all of those pieces together of like, okay, I need to get back there. I can't really take this fight back there without taking him with me, unfortunately. And I think he's realized at this point that there's not a way he can get rid of this one entity. So he's in a tough position, but he definitely at least is able to, uh, you know, manage his resources and, uh, you know, organize his queue of killing demons better. <laughs> Nonetheless, I do want to shift back to a moment we haven't talked about yet, which was when Muichiro was talking with Kotetsu a little bit, and he gets this flashback. And... We get to see Kaguya, Ubiyashiki, for a little bit. What did you guys think about this flashback? This was a really interesting piece, and I think it was another thing that gave us more questions than answers. I can't believe I phased over that. I just, it's crazy. I love backstory. Again, like kind of like I talked about at the very beginning of us recording this, Moichiro is already growing on me, and I knew that was going to happen because, again, 
we've read the manga. We we have a general idea of what's going to happen here. So we know it's going to happen. But we're seeing that, you know, he's he's lost his memories, clearly in some kind of accident because he's laying down, like, covered in bandages and blood. And Master Kageya is being the amazing man that he is and is just telling him, you know, you're going to regain your memories back. You're going to reclaim yourself. And I think that this is just a little flash of what we're going to see of Moishiro's past and help us to really understand the character a little bit better. And also just the fact that it's Tanjiro that's bringing all of these like memories back to him, I think is really special just to see again, just the kind of influence that Tanjiro has on these other characters. Like Moichiro is already becoming like different to us simply because of his one quick little interaction with him. Very true. This flashback I think is going to become more important as we continue to learn a little bit more about Moichiro as well. But what we do gather from at least like this scene in and of itself with Uba Yashiki is that clearly there was some kind of traumatic like brain injury or some kind of like head injury that caused a loss of memories. And like when that happened, why that happened, we're not totally sure. But I think it's very interesting and very fitting that the Mist Hashira would find his brain to be like in a state of kind of a fog Mm -hmm. and unable to kind of sort out what is what and which is where and who he is. I think it's interesting. And I wonder if that helps lend to his fighting ability a little bit. Maybe does it make him the most personable of the Hashira, but like, does it lend to... Yeah, that fighting ability, I don't know. It's interesting. And nonetheless, right, this all happens after Moichiro decides that he is going to go out and protect or attempt to protect Haganazuka. And he questions his decision by saying, is this the decision I should make? Because am I not being able to protect the village at this point? Mm -hmm. And I think that's another good call out. This one's for the T-Swifty fans out there. Is Moichiro in the Lavender Haze? You tell me. Well, he's on his way to protect Hagnazuka and Kanamori, who we know are doing something pretty important with this polishing of the sword that we talked about in the last episode. So he's going to protect them while the rest of our squad is essentially protecting the village. But Moitra was like the only person here that knows that there's two demons, <laughs> that there's upper four and upper five. So... He's like got a lot going on in his head and yet he's still choosing to do that. So it's possibly going to shape up for an interesting fight. And we come back into it seeing that there are a bunch of fish. Now, mm-hmm. what I mean, when they said there are plenty of fish in the sea, they meant it. So <laughs> there are fish raiding this village like no other at this point, all with pots on their heads. Yeah. Interesting choices. Yeah. Yep. So we, we've got a raid. Um, but... The good news is we got plenty of slayers there. We're going to talk about our big entrance at the end in a moment because there's still a few things we got to talk through with this episode before we get there because that was a great ending. And we'll just throw that out there. He was mad. He was very, very mad that, <laughs> it, was was so over, that it was over. I was like, I was sitting there, I'm like, it's about to end. It's about to end. It's about to end. He's like, no, don't say that. Yeah, it ended. <laughs> it ended right when I saw it. Um, but we got Tandro's now there. Also, the way he ran away, like feigning fear whatever just like in entertainment district and the demon's like oh you've already given up I'm like oh we've seen this before we know that tondra is not just running away from you <laughs> but he's there now but he gets there when nesuko is literally being stabbed through the neck and electrocuted 
And we get his well-known, pardon my pronunciation, Yameda, <laughs> that he does a lot. Stop it, essentially. And uh, he goes after to save Nezuko and even more fight goes down before the end of the episode. So let's kind of dissect that real quick. Once again, we're back to the feet. Um, I was waiting for that. <laughs> he is going to defeat this demon. <laughs> Literally. Um, he he uses his, his head again real quick. And he, something that, sorry, Brian. That was something, too much. <laughs> but something that. Um, we didn't touch on quite yet either that he noticed in his earlier fight with the flying separation is that the more that you keep splitting this demon more and more and more and more, the weaker it gets. It can't mm. keep splitting. Like yeah. it doesn't keep splitting into like more split personalities. It's like what we see is what we got. And the mm. more that you split it from there, it just becomes like small kind of like, like limbs that like maybe have like a, a tiny bit of sentience, but it's not like another full fledged demon. So he's aware of this. And so now he knows like what limits he can push on some of these fights. So as he's crash landing, as he's noticing Nezuko and the rest of these split demon personalities in the room, he's like, I know that I do need to charge this guy with the electricity who probably is the most powerful of all of the split personalities or like has the most OP power of each of them and can continuously regenerate this staff and um, this is not something that you want to come in contact with as a human or even as another demon. So he thinks very quickly and in the split second that it takes for him to analyze what's going on and move forward, he cuts off the leg of this bird demon and charges forward with it attached or he's holding, he's just holding it, I think. And he like plunges it into the staff, which has no effect on the foot because it's part of the same demon's body. So it's like impervious to it. And that's how he's able to charge forward. So both he and Nezuko are really thinking quickly in this episode to be able to use this demon's abilities against it. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, Tondro has figured out, unlike Mean Girls, the limit does exist here. So the split here, it eventually it will stop that power growth. But um, being able to watch Tondro put the foot through it and, you know, get this rolling um, again is interesting because we've seen how demon powers can play against each other right we've seen that like nezuko's power can affect it and even to a certain extent right like when she was fighting with rui that her flames like kind of hurt through the threads like it's now becoming more of like a using the demon's powers against them which i think is uh you know very interesting we've seen tanjiro do that before in the mansion arc when he was using his water breathing against the um like the rotation of the room and even same thing with the arrow demon where he was using his lateral water lateral whirlpool against the demon so really at this point he's using a conglomerate of the skills he's learned so far so it's definitely really awesome to see him be able to continually say uno reverse against all these demons oh he's he's so smart i love it like he's just being so smart in this episode like he already is he he has been in the past but he's being like crazy fast with it this episode and i like that you called out like he like crash landed 
And the demon even calls that out. He's like, wow, like he thought super fast and was able to cut off the claw and use it. And also he used the claw while he was like very quickly dodging, like super like badass, like, and then pulled the spear out of Nezuko. And then he's trying to like get him, like he was trying to make sure he doesn't regenerate, but he was regenerating so fast. We think that he's going to get hit with the staff, like, on his neck, like not from afar. And Nezuko is already back <laughs> to save him. So again, we're getting the little back and forth between our Kondo siblings that we love so much, but they both are way stronger than they've been in the past. So they're moving a lot faster and a lot smarter, which is really exciting to see as well. And then bad things happen again. They get crushed. And the last we see of them in this episode is Nezuko and Tanjiro being crushed so hard that they are now unconscious. So now it's like bad again. Yep. Like literally falling through multiple floors of this building just from the sheer pressure of our boy with the leaf back again. Mm. That pleasure demon. He sure takes pleasure in pain. A little bit of a sadist there. Nonetheless, um, it's really cool to kind of see how the different powers of these different demons play out, right? Um, This green one being pure force that um, joy one being pure like sound wave and sensory overload. I think it does kind of speak to, uh, you know, the way that these demons work differently. And I think it's kind of cool that they line up with the different personalities. Emily made the comment and I want to give her props to this for the joy one. Zenitsu would be dead against that yellow demon. His hearing is too sharp where he would probably knock out. So it's probably good that he's not here. Although rest in peace. My boy, he's out in this land of snow mission that we saw at the beginning of the season. <laughs> he's a rest piece. I'm like, is he dead? He's not dead. We just <laughs> miss him. <laughs> Sometimes you miss a boy so much. Okay. Listen, my anxious boy, he's going to return soon. And by soon, I probably mean probably in the next four years when that season finally comes out. So, uh... And I've just created existential dread for Hannah because she realizes that we're not getting that season for a while. Oh, I'm still holding out hope that we're getting at least the arc right after this fairly soon, because it's only a few episodes. <coughs> Nonetheless, I need water. Drinking my water, staying hydrated. Mm. Yes, thank you to our commenter who reminded us to drink water. Yes, thank you to our commenter that said we're flashy and that we need to drink water. Right, about both things. <laughs> <coughs> Rib. Also, don't forget... We do have a Q&A section now on Spotify. We're going to be creating some questions where you can answer and throw some comments in so we can shout you out and hopefully hear from you guys. Finally figured that thing out. (laughs) We're doing great. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, Back to the episode. We're we're kind of close in, but I I want to bring up Nezuko again. There's there's just so much going on and my brain's a little all over the place. But... uh, we see her using her blood demon art again as a fighting style with a lot more control than it has in the past. And this is actually, it's been a minute since Tandra seen her use this to fight. And he's like, kind of like, whoa, like what's going on? Do we think that this power is going to continue to help both of them in the future? I mean, it seems to be working in their favor so far. It's it's very unique in that it can like harm demons only and not humans. So I have to imagine that as long as the two of them stick together, that both of their skills are going to benefit the other and they're going to complement each other really, really well. Yeah, and I mean, I think it kind of comes back to Orokodaki's hypnosis state, if you will, 
um, that her blood demon art only affects demons. And I think it's, you know, as someone who is attempting to create, you know, a demon slayer to protect humans, it's very cool that he created a demon that protects humans and that power. Now she doesn't have to worry as much, I guess, because it's not that Tanjiro, like, has to worry about other humans, but also, like, his Hinokami Kagura, you know, he could end up hurting a civilian. Whereas Nezuko, uh, being a demon, I think it was kind of cool that with her sense of consciousness, right, she may not have the full control that we've seen in earlier seasons. So if she had used it in that point, maybe it wouldn't have been as bad with civilians around because she wouldn't have been able to do that damage. So I think it's a really cool way to have a sneak attack, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it, it heals humans and it hurts demons. So it's kind of the best of both worlds, which is really cool. Um, you, you you brought up the hypnosis. I was actually going to talk about this and I forgot. Do we think that hypnosis is still affecting her at all? Or is she like completely past that stage of needing it? And is she just making all of these decisions and having this control on her own will and abilities? I think it's both. I mean, I think that the hypnosis was extremely critical to beginning that train of thought for her to like transitioning the mindset from that of like a pure demon to somebody who still has obviously the demonic abilities, but is gearing those towards um, the other demons instead of humans. So I think that it was like absolutely critical that that, that it began there, but then it becomes like a force of habit. Right. And so like, I don't know that she's necessarily reflecting on, at least consciously like any of those words anymore, but it was ingrained in her so early that now it probably just is, you know, like breathing. It's, you know, it's just something that she wouldn't even think about. Yeah, kind of to build off of Emily, what Emily was saying, um, you know, you, your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions, your actions become your habits. So it is very much so that like snowball effect of like, Orokodaki was the start. That was the uh, nurture. Now that has become her nature. So it's a very interesting dynamic that's been created by this hypnosis. And um, I think it's just really cool to see how these long-term effects have now created such powerful moments in the present of this story. Yeah. I personally think it kind of wore off already because of what happened in Entertainment District. So I like, I like to think that that helped at the beginning, but like she really has her own control now, you know, that she, she's able to fully comprehend like what's going on around her. And it's not just like a, oh, like all humans are your family. I like, that's what I like to think, but I think you have good call outs too, that maybe it's a little bit of both. It's like a mix, but nonetheless, still gonna see hopefully some great things from her to come but we close it out i feel like i'm missing i'm still missing some important moments but this is what happens when you watch the episode once and then record a podcast on it rather than watching it you know for however many times i had seen those ones that we'd already seen before but uh the source of village is officially under attack by these fish demons that we can assume gyoko is creating and we get a wonderful entrance from our other wonderful Hashira that we saw in episode one, Mitsuri Kanroji. She's coming back. She's coming to help save the day. Are we excited for that? Literally, I am so hyped. Like I have been waiting for this moment since we, since I finished the manga, I have been waiting for love breathing so long. 
I'm literally so excited. Like, Muichiro's breathing form, amazing, right? Like, watching him literally, like, what feels like phasing in and out of the screen, awesome. But to see love breathing, it's going to be, like, my pretty pink fantasy that I never got <laughs> to live as a child, and now I'm living it now. So I am just hyped for the next episode. She is so adorable. I can't wait for the next episode. But also, that little crow that she has like that's me <laughs> she's like hurry 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 come danger on. danger <laughs> danger we're in danger <laughs> I'm, I'm, in danger. <laughs> I'm in danger i'm in danger <laughs> that's literally the little hat that you know uh, that makes her like made for her yeah. like you know oh my God. canon in my yeah. brain yeah absolutely i'm so excited it's gonna be so cool i can't wait to see her sword Ah, that she just got reforged. That's yeah. why she was there. So, yeah. Any last minute predictions on what love breathing is actually going to look like animated? Pink and green. <laughs> oh my god. Lots of hearts. Okay, wait. So hold on. Is it gonna be like misty? Is it gonna like? All right. So let's first talk about this, right? Green color of envy, very re closely related to love, right? Um, you know, we look back at Othello, um, the envious green monster, right? Then there's that certain part of envy, but pink, it's pure like saturation, it's pure infatuation. If you look at like the Pink Lantern Society, right, in comics, they love someone so much that they kill them. I think that this is gonna be very much so in your face, it's gonna be so like, across the screen you're gonna feel the effects of this um sword so well because i know that they're gonna do her justice so i'm literally just i cannot wait for next week it's too far away more on pink color theory next week <laughs> i'm so sorry no no but, so cool, but for real it, and it is interesting i i love that you brought up the green for envy that's true that, that's very, and we're going to see a little bit more, hopefully, of that backstory pretty soon and like where that might have come from. But pink is also interesting because, in at least in literature, when women wear pink it's, and they're unmarried, it actually is generally associated with like a little bit of scandal because obviously, like when you think of a wedding or something like that, the traditional color is white, right? Mm -hmm. Because white symbolizes purity. Red, on the other hand, obviously is kind of closely associated with like up, like anger but when you're thinking of a character like this like lust um or like sin carnal desires things like that so pink when you bring the two of them together means that like some, maybe somebody who's like a little bit less pure than you would think of somebody who would wear white so maybe some more to come on that i think it's gonna be pink and green hearts <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Keeping it simple. laughs> i did not come prepared with these like I didn't come prepared either, but I just want to say thank you to uh, a one Jessica Billings. That was my high school English teacher. Uh, I still have your picture in my wallet, by the way, that I won from my essay contest in our class. So thank you. I feel like my homeschooledness is showing. My brain is just like, yeah, maybe some pink and green hearts with some misty. <laughs> I'm just excited to see what it's going to look like. But I thank agree. you for bringing that to the table because my brain does not work that way sometimes. <laughs> oh, wait, that's it. The green in her hair, the envy of a man. She said that she joined the Demon Slayer Corps to find a man. She's envious of not having a man. Or envious of other girls who were able to engage in that kind of activity a little bit more easily than she felt that she was. 
And that relates to the Taisho era secret because her literal doll was like, you'll never find a man. You're a painter, a college art major. And I mean, I feel that like she's, you know, she's very artsy. We can see that. But like, that's just her subconscious telling her that she's not pretty enough, but she is. She's so cute. That moment was so cute. I love the little Taisho era secrets that we've been getting. She had her little blue period moment. It was so cute. Aww. <laughs> and then she had the, yeah, the little moment where it was like, all the guys love her. She has no idea. <laughs> and that's so true for so many people that like, you think that like everyone thinks you're ugly. And it's like, actually, you've got like five guys that are like, Ooh, like yeah, she wasn't super into you. <laughs> she wasn't no just idea. lines and was a sentient being. All she needed to see is one TikTok of anybody reacting to that scene in the movie theater. That's it. Yep. We'll move on from there. <laughs> oh, so excited to see her fight. So excited for next episode. Um, the name of the episode was Bright Red Blade, I think is what they said exactly. So it's going to be good. We're getting some good stuff ahead. Super excited for it. Um, but do we have any final thoughts before we transition into favorite moments? I know I was all over the place this, today. So no, this is how the rest of the season's going to go with the way these fights are structured. There's not an easy way to organize this conversation. No. So I apologize for any of our misdirection, but hey. We're skimming over important parts because we we just, just watched the episode. I almost, maybe we need to start watching it twice before we do this. No, I'm kidding. I won't, I won't make you do that. But <laughs> um, cool. Well, favorite moments. I'll go first. Uh, you have to know what it's going to be. And that is Feral Tondro, the crazy look in his eye, his confidence. Yes, the second time, because there's two specific moments that I was looking forward to is the first one where he's like, the power of his attacks is slowing down. And the second one was when he was like, you too. That second one, they didn't give him the smirk that he had in the manga. He just kind of had a confident, like small smile. So I was a little bit like, oh, that wasn't quite what I was expecting. However, I think it goes along with what UFO Table has been doing with his character in the anime, because his character design is slightly different in the anime than it is in the manga. So they had to kind of keep that going. But honestly, 10 out of 10 still. I was so excited to see it. And it really, it barely disappointed me. Like truly, like I, yeah. Um, super fun to see him just be kind of menacing and very confident in himself. And yay, finally got to see it. Woo! I think it was something, I think honestly, it was probably watching Muichiro's breathing form. Um, we haven't seen Tandro do too many forms this this season. He didn't He's, do any Hinokami Tandro this episode. He sure didn't. No. And that's time. and I think that's kind of telling uh, you know side tangent. That's telling of Tandro's growth, right? Uh, you know, in the entertainment district, it was every move was a form, and he was tiring himself out. Now at this point, right, he's able to more um, you know tactically approach when he's going to use a form. Uh, but watching Muichiro move and i think it's very telling of kind of like emily and hannah were talking about earlier that his you know fog is there in his brain but also it's a fog for their enemies because they're looking at this like small little dude who's literally just there and gone and he's slicing things left and right and finally making quick decisions too that support others so i think that was really cool to watch muichiro turn it around a little bit i have two one is more specific to UFO table. So I'll get into that in a second. But my favorite moment, I think in general, goes to, I know his name this time, Genya. 
Um, I loved his like little badass moment that he got here where he, and, and we didn't touch on this either quite yet, but as he's like coming back up from the ground and showing his regenerative abilities for the first time, he's coming out of that Buddhist prayer that we talked about. One of the demons is like, what's your name? Or like, who are you even? And he goes, oh, you want to know my name? I'm Genya, and I'm the guy who's going to kill you. Ah! It was so cool. So cool. Guns blazing. Great, great moment. And shout out again. I believe we said this is Bakugo's voice actor. You can absolutely tell. 100%. So like, he, he definitely is like a typecast actor at this point. <laughs> the angry voice. <laughs> but it's perfect. And it, it's like so well earned. Great moment. Loved that. Now, my secondary shout out is for UFO Table. And we mentioned that there are uh, like some new things that they were trying. We talked about the CGI that's been um, like experimented with a little bit more in this episode so far. And there have been some things that have just been a little bit different about some of the animation. I love that they're taking the liberty to try some new stuff. And I think that some of it's paying off really well. One thing that I really noticed in this episode was the camera angles. And this is something that like a few years ago, you wouldn't even have thought of necessarily in animes because the shots tend to be kind of stagnant mm -hmm. where it's like, the, like maybe it'll like move like the angle that you're seeing, but the camera is not the thing that's moving almost as though it is like a live action, if that makes sense. There were, there was like camera panning in this episode. There was the, you know, the scene with Tanjiro fighting the, like the bird demon cameras like panning around mm -hmm. him and Tanjiro is the thing that's like standing still. Yeah. That was really cool. And then again, at the end in particular with Tanjiro and Nezuko like falling through again, the camera is like spinning to follow them yeah. down into the hole. That was cool. So I'm like, this is like really like kind of big budget stuff that they're doing to create a camera and a sense of motion for that with an animated story. Mm -hmm. Really, really cool. I'm excited to see where that's going to keep going from here because obviously like the fights keep like moving. There's a lot of different vignettes and this is still not even the last of the big arcs and the fights that are going to be in Demon Slayer. So it's going to keep getting better. Very, very cool. Yeah. I feel like a horrible getting to stand for like... <laughs> brushing over some of his badass moments saying like I'm Genya Shinazagawa like which again is a call out to who his brother is we're gonna see more of that but we'll talk more about Genya to come in this arc because we're gonna get plenty of opportunities to praise the new boy um, but that's it for today thank you so much for listening in or watching um, just like Brian said we did open up Q&A's for the episode so if you do want to leave us a question using Spotify podcast you can go ahead and do that after you finish listening to this episode we might answer it in the next one so if you want to be a part of the podcast definitely throw that in there thank you to the two people who used it last time and reminded us to drink water <laughs> uh, yes we will drink water it's getting hot here um, if you're on YouTube, don't forget to like, hit subscribe, all the fun things. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter at Hashira Half Hour. And that's it for today. Umai. Umai. Umai.